Hey, thanks for listening to the Take a Seat podcast. In this episode, we talk about suicide, which I know can be distressing. So if you need resources or support, go to beyondblue.org or for free 24-hour counselling in Australia, the number for Lifeline is 13 11 14. Please look after yourself. The content in this episode is not intended to provide medical advice and should not be relied on as such. Always seek medical guidance from your doctor or other qualified health professionals with any questions you may have regarding your health or medical condition. Welcome to the Take A Seat Podcast. This podcast brings awareness to disability sports and supports. We are talking to experts and athletes with a disability from around the world. Before we get stuck into this episode, we want to say a massive thank you to our sponsor, the Suncoast Spinners. The Suncoast Spinners are a social wheelchair-based sporting club. They operate multiple programs for people of all ages and abilities in basketball, rugby, and more. Follow Suncoast Spinners on Facebook, Instagram, and find out more about them at suncoastspinners.com.au. Welcome back to the Take a Seat podcast. James, episode number two. Who we got on today? Mate, today, Rob Marklicek. And I hope I've said that right because it, it's been a long time in the family that it's, it's said wrong over the kitchen countertop or wherever it is. And I'm sure when he goes out, he stumbles over, over it too. But sorry. it is <laughs> Mark Lee. Mark Lee. Mark Lee. Mark Lee. There we go. There, there we, we go. go. There even we go. us at work can't even pronounce it. <laughs> For a bit of context, when I moved up from, from Queensland, I started playing soccer uh, locally and I, uh, I met Rob's son, Xavier. And uh, we played together for, I want to say, about four years. We, we just spoke before and, and Rob said six, but I think it was because his, his son was playing with Dan and a few other boys before I moved up. And, uh, and Rob was a massive part of the, of the, of the team. He was, our, he was our fitness trainer. He was our part manager with, with Tony, one of the other boys' fathers. And uh, such a massive part of, of the group from Budrum Wanderers Football Club. What, under 12s? To under 16, don't it? Yeah, yeah. And how many times did we win? Four. We, four. No, I think we won the three and we lost the fourth. We did wow. Yeah, debatable topic yeah. there. But. <laughs> Twice minor premiers as well, though. So. That's it. That's it. Right. So we'll, we'll wear that one in our sleeve. But, Rob, I'll, I'll give a quick, a really, really quick description. So I think it would have been, if we started under 12s, it would have been under 13s, that it was one one training night. I remember it quite vividly. You, you came down to all the boys, and this was in a a bit of a, bit of probably at, at the start of what, what might have been a bit of a dark phase for yourself. Mm. And you'd, you'd explain to us all that you'd just been diagnosed with Parkinson's. And I can't imagine what you'd have been feeling at the time, but for us boys, when you when you came down and you told us that, and and it was a real kickstart for us to be to be training every Tuesday night. I think it was for fitness, and it was purely fitness, fitness, fitness. Let's let's get fit. Let's keep fit. And for half the boys, it was it was for themselves, and for half the boys, it was it was for Rob. And by the end of the year, it was all for Rob. So coming coming off off of the football, moving forward from there, you've pushed through. And I think, please please correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I think you were given a rather, or sorry, a much shorter uh, life expectancy than, than what you've, you've currently lived. Well, I have. Well, I was. Because um, I, I was diagnosed with um, a heart condition at the same time. Uh, that was in June of 2009. Yeah, right, man. That's what we're here for. Um, we're here to tell your story. And the Parkinson's was in uh, December 2009. Um, and like most people... Um, when they're diagnosed with Parkinson's, the thing they want to know is how long you got to live. You know, is it what's going to what's going to take my life? And I I searched the internet, I searched the internet, couldn't find anything. But 
in the end, you realise that Parkinson's won't kill you. Stuff associated with Parkinson's will kill you, but Parkinson's itself doesn't kill you. So once you get over that, it's like cutting a bit out of it, but once you get over that fear, which takes anywhere from maybe some people six months, some people six years, some people balance it up and down all the time. But once you get over that sort of fear and then realise you can live a life, then you actually start to live a life. Up until that point, though, um, yeah, dark, dark times, dark, dark times. Do you, do you mind sharing how long that was for yourself? For me, it's a constant battle between light and dark. <sighs> I struggled with it for years. I still do at times. Um, but the darkest times, I tried to commit suicide three times um, over the years. No, the latest one was only about two, maybe three, two and, two and a half years ago. It's a, it's a cu- first couple of times, I was actually, the yeah, first couple of times I tried to drive in, in front of a truck, um, but just pulled out at the last minute. The, the third time was um, down at home, there's an overhead bridge, actually going down to your place. And um, had my foot on the, on the side and counting the cars. And uh, and um, right, mate. feel feel free to take it back up. That's all mm-hmm. good. Um, got to the point. Um, well, I looked at the cars going past, and and even cars going past me on the bridge because I'd, I'd run from home. I had, a, I had a bit of a meltdown. I hadn't realised I hadn't taken um, my antidepressant pills for a couple of days, and um, ran from home. And I only had shorts, I had no, no wallet, no nothing. I mean, I had a pair of shorts, no shirt, no nothing. And people were driving past me, no one was stopping. And I had my feet up on the thing, ready to, to jump, and I just looked around and went, I said, no one cares. You know, like, wake up tomorrow morning, it would just be another statistic. And um, another um, faceless name in the, in the paper, I suppose. And my brother only committed suicide. He took his life in 2008. And... Um, so I thought how that affected me, and um, um, just could see my kids being without a dad, and um, so I, I stepped back, and a friend, a friend that lived just down the road, in um, she was living in, in a unit just down the road there. So because of the heart condition, I thought, well, I'll sprint down there, and if I have a heart attack, well, it's not suicide, so I'll be right. So I took off sprinting as fast as I could for the first time in I don't know how long. I made 500 yards or whatever it was, half a kilometre. Um, not a pain in the chest at all. I went, that'll be right. Thanks God <laughs> for that. So, but yeah, then my wife, um, she ran my wife, come and got me in. You know, I have dark days. That's, that's the last time I've really thought seriously about doing myself in. But in the early days, I said it was just dark all the time. Um, and well, not trying to cut you off there, but mm. what in those early days and, and even now has helped you through that? For me, being active, like sitting around all day just just waiting for something to happen or to change, it cruels you. So I couldn't get over. My Parkinson's didn't seem to be, no matter what I did, I, I couldn't get it better. Like I, I tried, people put me onto Parkinson's programs and stuff like that and um, nothing seemed to, to work for me. And one day I was walking up the beach and I, I was struggling to get up the beach and I, I just thought, you know, damn this. I said, I'm just going to. I'd, I'd done karate since um, 1983 up until about 2004. Had a 10-year break out of it. In 2014, I just I made up my mind. I just went, 
Um, I'm just going to go back into a, into a dojo and um, my heart gives way or if my Parkinson's plays up, well, I'll, I'll go from there. But honestly, getting back into, into exercise and fitness turned my life around. Same with training new boys in soccer. Like I look forward to the, to, to the Tuesdays and so forth because, A, I got to take all my frustrations out on, on you kids, mate, run up and down the park. <laughs> um, and B, I, I got to do it with you as well. So I never made you do stuff that I didn't, I couldn't do. And it just made me feel good. It just exercise just made your heart stronger, made your body stronger, made you cope with life. I was doing at that time, I think I was doing about six grade lessons a week. Um, I went back as a red belt. Then it just went from there. Just I started doing more and more karate. I started teach, uh, helping instruct as a, as a senpai, I suppose, which is a helper. We bought a boat, took up water skiing, which for someone with Parkinson's, I thought was pretty amazing because most people can't stand and balance. <laughs> Um, let alone water ski. So I was yeah. doing all that sort of stuff. And then I'd, same with karate, like, you know, I, I was amazed I could just sort of do the stuff I could do. And to give some context, you're a second dan black belt in karate yeah, now? Yeah, I just got a bit my pass from my second dan um, this last year, yeah, December last year. Yeah, which I thought I, I got to my first dan, I was happy with that. And I thought I'd never go any further. But um, yeah, you can push, push a body and push a body. And sure, I, I can't do a lot of things that other people can do. But I still do move pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a bit novice to the whole karate. What, what a second arm is in second arm. arm. So when you get your black belt, there's just a straight black belt, and then it goes up in phases. So year after that, you're allowed to assess to go to a first arm. Two years after that, second arm. Three years, third arm, and so on and so forth. Right. Doesn't mean you get it then. It just means, but it's, it goes on not only your skill, but what you add to the club, what you add to um, your students, and so forth. And I'm pretty lucky. I, I've got a pretty good following. I tend to teach a bit different to other people. I'm more um, hands-on, one-on-one, I suppose. I'm not the most technical instructor around, but I like to get into your heart and get into your head and, and um, pick you up from down here and, and take you up to there, I suppose. Um, I, I certainly experienced that firsthand, mate. You're yeah. an excellent coach. Yeah. Uh, I had a father come up to me last night and um, I got his daughter out of it, the show she was in, and um, he just shook my hand and just said he was amazed uh, how much she's come forward. and She just was so shy and... So timid and, and um, so forth, and she just come out of a shell. She's really good, so it's good to see. Yeah. Do you find that Parkinson's has helped you support other people as well? Yeah, you get. I don't get discrimination, I suppose, as far as a lot of disabled people go. But I hear the the snickers and people point and, and people laugh and people make fun of you when I can't walk, when I'm walking funny, when I'm falling over. I tend, I tend to fall a lot. I fall in pubs and and um, shopping centres and stuff like that, and and I shuffle along. I get stuck in the mud, I suppose you'd say, so my feet shuffle backwards and forwards. And people just don't know. They, they think, you're, think you're just either being stupid or something like that. I freeze up in crowds. I've, many times I've been at one of the surf clubs and I'm trying to walk out of the surf club and I'm just stuck in the middle of the floor and people are just looking at you. And the more they look and the more they laugh and point, you're never going to go anywhere. So, Just to jump in, Cam, you're able to provide a bit more clarity on Parkinson's, but it's a, um, from my limited knowledge, it's a neurological degenerative disease that causes stuttering, freezing of, of the joints and muscles. But that's about as far as my extent goes, to be honest. Parkinson's is, is a thing that can affect anything from your smallest toe to the top of your hair. And so many people are so different. It's very hard to find two people that are exactly the same. Some people get, like you said, the freezing. Some people get shakes. Some people get, uh, they lose their, their speech. So they can't get their, their their brain and their their mouth to work in, in coordination. 
you know, you can't pick up things, your rigidity. The worst part for me is like my at night time, I'm like concrete. My bones just go stiff and sore and I can't move around. So it takes an hour to wake up in the morning and get moving. If there's ever a fire in my house, you'd just have to leave me there or drag my skull, drag me out because I couldn't walk. But yeah, what you see on the outside of for Parkinson's for me is only about 10, 15%, maybe 20%. The rest of it happens inside your body. Exactly. Yeah, you know, that wrecks your, your, your digestive system, your, your swallowing. Most people die, a lot of people die from Parkinson's related stuff from uh, inhaling their food down their lungs, stuff like that. Many a time I've, I've um, inhaled rice. Rice is my worst enemy, you know, especially if you're trying to talk at the same time you're eating. You, you tend to inhale rice pretty well. Medication also has a big factor into yeah. Parkinson's and the way that it is. Diet uh, is a big effect Diet on is. it as well. So as Rob said with rice, but also what foods are eaten with Parkinson's. Obviously, there is one of the most famous people that everyone knows of, Muhammad Ali, who had Parkinson's. Uh, what he saw, what you see with him is the shaking and the constant inability to control. That's a form of Parkinson's, but it's not what you see with everybody. So it will affect people slightly differently. Rob, in particular, his left hand gives him a little bit of shaking more than your right, doesn't it? Mm. It's freezing within doorways. So it really is variant on each person. The diagnosis will vary depending on the person. And there's a lot of different assessments that are conducted with questionnaires and living arrangements. And it does come down to support that you have at home as well as uh, social workers and psychologists, doctors. There is a large network that is involved in Parkinson's because at initial diagnosis, you would have seen it, James, with when Rob come down and told everyone, you wouldn't have even noticed that he had anything there. Like there wouldn't have been any signs that he had Parkinson's. And it can be dormant for a long period of time Mm. before it actually really starts to affect your movement and affects your swallowing and... What people mostly see with Parkinson's is the end stages or the later stages. Not end stages because obviously Rob's been living with it for quite some time and he's still going to be living with it for quite some time. So that, um, sorry to jump yeah. in, but that slow onset, does that also create slow diagnosis or delayed diagnosis? It can do. It can do, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes they get mixed up with all sorts of stuff. I, I remember for mine, I got diagnosed pretty quickly, but I went through like massage, physios, chiropractors, all of other stuff, and everyone had their own opinion. You know, I had to go, I had CAT scans and, and MRIs and all that sort of stuff. And then they finally sent me down to a specialist in Brisbane. And my diagnosis was I walked through his door, he watched me walk past him, and he said, You look like, you look like a young guy that's got early onset Parkinson's. And that was how, that's how my consult went. Um, he checked a few things around, told me to take this tablet. Because my, my mind was I, I started to go like a robot that was running out of energy. So my movement was really slow and, and juddery. Um, so if I bent over to take, get something out of my soccer bag, because I was playing six-side soccer at the time, it took me about half an hour to get down in my bag and people were going, what's wrong with you? And I said, nothing. They said, they just watched me going, <laughs> you know, laughing, just going, you're like a robot out of the 1980s. And I went, okay. Um, but yeah, when I had the, the tablet, which was um, Matapar, I was taking those three times a day, um, it just improved straight away. Within two weeks, um, I was a different person. Yeah, right. And so what other, so so medication was provided some Im- improvements early on and then did that, was there a decline in the improvements? It does. Well, it does. It, it's, you start taking more and more, I suppose, until they yeah. say, well, you're just taking too many tablets. Yeah. 
Um, there's there's so many things out there. There's stuff called Mova Pro, which just comes in like an EpiPen form or a, or a little um, like a a diabetics pump. You yep. put it in there and you pump it away. There's multi tablet forms, different tablets you can have, and different combinations you have. I uh, have patches on as well. Because you not only need to produce the dopamine, but you need to actually keep it at a certain level so you don't not going up and down all day. Otherwise, your moods go up and down and and just knocks you around. In one minute you're high and having having fun, next minute you lowers you low and yeah. they're trying to even it out, which has its own downfalls as well. Because dopamine, as you know, is your, your feel good drug for your body. Yeah, yeah. So they're pouring that into you. So anything that makes you feel good, from a compliment to playing a, a gaming machine or, or something like that, if you're getting a buzz out of it, you just want more and more and more and more. And that's that's when the addiction side of starts it as well. So. Sport and uh, high fives and all that will also release yeah. the dopamine. So exercise for Parkinson's, what you generally will get with therapy and treatment is encouragement for large movements, explosive movements, fast movements. Another side effect of Parkinson's can be going quiet and not using their voice. And because of the stutter, because of the talking, the vocabulary, not quite working properly. So they will start to stop talking. So when you do exercise, you you get yelling. Uh, there is a lot of things like, as you said earlier, like Parkinson's groups and PD Warrior and those different things that you can do. But just general exercise, uh, obviously you come down to enhanced living quite a bit. Yeah. We've taken you through the intensive programs and, and some weekly therapy and you've gone and done high ropes and surfing and different therapy mo- uh, modules there yeah. as well as your yeah, well, karate. For, well, for me, like, I've been at Enhanced Living now for, I think it's two and a bit years. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, you guys down there are just my saviors. Like, <laughs> I, I sing your praise everywhere I go. Oh, damn. You're right, man. Um, but I, I, for me, like, the, the programs you do, the, the things that you, you um, get me to achieve is just amazing. Like, now, if you had told me I was lifting, going to lift 150 um, kilograms dead weight, deadlifting, um, a couple of years ago, I would just laughed at you and said, it's impossible, you know, because I couldn't even lift 70 kilograms off the ground. Mm. But now like I said, you know, I, I push myself and, and you guys push me and um, the belief is just awesome. So, and, and you come to us with the mindset that you want to do uh, kite surfing and yeah. skiing and also go and get your second Dan and you also wanted to – Go to the high ropes, uh, which Parkinson's is freezing. You can't even walk through a doorway or changing colours on the floor can be a big issue. Yeah. Sorry to backtrack a bit. Yeah. Charles, my dad didn't sign you up for kite surfing, did he? No, no. I, 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 I always had it in my head for because your dad does talk about it. And um, well, when I did think of it, I was thinking of your dad. So. <laughs> but he, he, never, he never pushed me into what it was my own doing. So. Well, we'll get, we'll get you in there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll push him to get him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. our next goal. So Rob's about to in, enter into another intensive program. And... The goal at the end of it is kite surfing or skiing. He did say that yeah. he used to love his skiing. So the, oh. the, the intent is to get back to that. Again, you need another, a better driver than Charles. Really quickly, yeah, we're going we're gonna to put this in there. <laughs> bit, of a, bit of context, the last two, week, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Two yeah. weeks ago, we're at Rich River. Charles, my father, has a jet ski. And Dad and Tony bought some jet skis recently. <laughs> I had finished work. I had a half day. I had a, had a client in the morning. And uh, I went met him down for lunch, pulled up, and, and the first thing Rob, Rob says to me, mate, half day, mate, when I was younger, we'd work two jobs in the morning and then a third for ourselves in the afternoon. 
We spilled coffee at work the other day. Rob races over, grabs a towel, damps down the floor, cleans it all up for us. Like, still doing his cleaning even at the clinic. Uh, one of the girls was doing the mirrors before we had a videography crew come through. Rob grabs a squeegee. No, nah, this is how you do it. Like, still yeah, can't get rid of it. Though. Still yeah, cannot get rid of all that. Love it to death. It's all good fun. Definitely. So, so skiing is that is it snow uh, snow skiing or is that skiing water skiing? Water, water skiing, yeah. right? So you definitely need. I want to get back on that with single ski again. So yeah, yeah. Well, we, we got you up on the wakeboard that day. But... Yeah, we, got, we need a boat. We need a boat for that. So yeah, I think I think it's Charles. Not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, so there, is, there is a skill to getting you up there, but yeah, you almost had me up there. So he did, yeah, yeah. But he let off. He almost let off. You were up, and then he, then he let go. Yeah. Okay. So with that, obviously, with that, what's the reason you want to get back to skiing? A, because it's fun. B, because I said, you like to do things that make you feel normal, like a, like a normal person. Water skiing is one. Like I said, when you're out there doing stuff, like to get you up on the water, there's a lot of stuffing around, I suppose, because, you you know, people make sure you're not going to fall off the boat and all this sort of stuff. When you're out there doing what you're doing, your condition doesn't come into it at all. Same when you're on the high ropes. Like once I'm up there doing it, I had Jesse behind me, Telling me, begging me on the whole thing. There's never a thought that I was I was disabled, and I don't like to think of myself as that either. Um, even though every time I go to a doctor, they say they tell me I am. Um, but I like to think of myself as normal. Probably why I don't look in the mirrors as I'm walking past in shops and so forth, or or video myself. Everyone just wants to feel like they're just part of normal society, I suppose yeah. you'd say. And you say normal. Give us some context as to what you consider normal. Well, what people perceive as normal, like if if you've got a limp, if you've got a if you've got a, a, a dicky arm, if you um if you talk funny, you got a twitch, something like that. People consider that the slightest things people consider consider normal, um, consider a, a disability or abnormal. People don't realise that when you stare or when you snicker or when you when you Make funny gestures, even though someone's not looking at you, they, they notice. You know, we live. With, I live with anxiety every day. Sometimes to get out of the house is just a, an issue. You know, by the time I realise I've got to go somewhere, I've got to go through a crowd to get somewhere. I just it's just too much hassle. I'd rather stay at home, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that way. Uh, just to um, please, please say if you don't want to share into this, but um, I remember maybe a year and a half ago there was a show. No, it would have been two years ago before COVID. There was a show at the Edamoga pub and my mm. parents were with yourself and, and, yeah. and Tony. And I remember I remember them leaving and, and it was, I think you all came, you came around and, and left from mine or whatever the scenario was. Uh, I, I got wind that you were going to the Edamoga pub for this this band or this show that was happening there. And it was something you'd, you'd teed up for, I, I think, about a week or something. Yeah, the last time, time. You, yeah. you got on the Smurfs or something at yeah. home. Yeah. <laughs> you had it teed up and and mum and dad had gone out and it was, it was not maybe – an hour and a half and they'd, and they'd returned and, um, and I kind of asked, oh, what, you're back already and, and uh, please tell me if you don't like sharing this. Um, and so when they walked in there, yeah, I asked what, what happened and they go, oh, and dad sort of said, oh, like, yeah, like Rob, Rob just sort of had a bit of a, um, he, he couldn't, couldn't quite get in. He, he couldn't walk past the crowd, mate. I just, I, I was having a bad time and my drugs weren't working and, um. I mean, the interesting part for me was that Sharon said, like he, Sharon then and walked in behind. He said, "Well, yeah, he he was he was fine." Like because I think you were at the at, at home before and, yeah. and you left. You, you it was it was not a not yeah. a problem. No no freezing. No no nothing. No shaking. And 
and mum said, yeah, yeah, he was he was fine here, and and he got out the car, and and but as soon as we walked in, and and maybe a few people looked and and turned away, mm. and you heard those snickers, mm. and, and and there was a couple of comments maybe made, and that's and that's where it, where it, it happened exactly. So not only. I can't imagine the the, the physical pain, the, the external uh, concepts of your, of yourself, let alone the social complexes that run through your own mind every day. I, I... Well, I'll share another story with you. I had my biggest moment was we had um, tickets to go see Elton John, Kerry sister bought for us, and I was just dreading the day that we were going. And um, I know Kerry wanted to go see them, and there's no way I was going to pull out of it, and we. And right up to the gate, I was having trouble walking. Like we had to walk with the crowd all the way through, and I was shuffling and, and so forth. I got to the gate, and I just couldn't, just couldn't do it. And um, one of the security guards comes up and he said, "Would you like a wheelchair?" And so I was seeing myself as a as a fairly fit looking sort of dude, and um, then I had to, I couldn't walk, and I had to sit in this wheelchair. For me, that was probably one of the biggest moments. <laughs> Um, of my parkers, it was um, sitting in that wheelchair and have Kerry push me through the crowd. Um, well, people looked down at you because, like I said, it looked like I was just getting a free ride. You know, just the top half of me, there's nothing wrong. Just the bottom half of me, my legs wouldn't work. Um, but she pushed me through the crowd and, and, and to the seats and um, and then back out again. Um, so, yeah, for me, that was a, a really huge uh, moment. Um, Funny for the love of my wife, I suppose, because I didn't want her to miss out on the concert because she'd, she'd miss out on lots of stuff throughout the time because I wouldn't go in. Um, but that was, that was one of the hardest things I had to do with Parkinson. Um, <laughs> and a, a more funny one was, was um, you're, you went on holidays with your old man <laughs> and the second time I had to do that was just through the airport down in Brisbane. Like, from, I couldn't. For some reason, I, I couldn't go out of the car and couldn't walk at all, so they'd wheelchair me all the way from the car right through to the, the lounge and onto the plane and stuff like that. And for, for someone like me, that was, I feel embarrassed. It, it just, I shouldn't. We've all got issues. Um, but, yeah, just for me, I just I had to hang my head and, and just, you know, I had funny moments. It just, I suppose, maybe I'll put too much emphasis on it. Most people are like, like Giles, your dad and that, they don't care. You know, no, no one looks down at you. That's just the way it is. But I suppose I'm not the only one. You're still expected to be a breadwinner. I'm only 53. And you still want to look at yourself as the as um, head of your family, and the provider of all, I suppose. And you've got to come to terms with the fact that um, you're just not. You can't be. You, you, you're struggling just to survive. You get up every day just, just trying to make it through the day and just, be active and do stuff, and um, try and, the work comes back to just try and be normal. Like I want to be, I want to be like your dad, for instance. I want to be able to get up and just say six o'clock in the morning. I get up, jet ski, out we go, blah blah blah. For me, it's not like that. For me, I get up at six o'clock in the morning. It takes me forty-five minutes to get moving. I sit at the kitchen table having coffee and and tablets for another hour, an hour and a half. Then they might cut in. Sometimes, some days they don't cut in. Might get another maybe hour or so of um, time, especially when I go to the gym. Okay, just go down there. So the drugs are work, working fine. I come home, then they stop working. So I, I pot around and do what I can do. And then I, I start a res- regime of fitting drugs into me again so I can go to do karate at night time. It's a, just a 
round and round thing of drug taking just to keep your body moving. And um, sometimes I go to karate and I over-medicate because I have this fear of freezing up on the floor when I'm teaching students and what have you. And then you've got the, the downside of that is when you're coming off the drugs, so when you, when you put too much in your system, they've got to wear off and it's called dyskinesia and it's when your body just moves uncontrollably. So I'm sitting at the kitchen table trying to eat you know, and your hands are going like this and your head's going like that and you're trying to shove food in your mouth and you're choking on it and it just, it's a hell of a time. Um, so people don't see, like, when they see me at karate, they, they think everything's good. Sometimes I even have to, I'm driving home, I have, to pull out, I have to pull to the side of the road two or three times because I can't concentrate on what I'm doing because my head's moving so much. The Take a Seat podcast is in your ears thanks to the Suncoast Spinners. The Suncoast Spinners are a wheelchair-based sporting club. They run social inclusion programs, including but not limited to basketball and rugby. If you want to get involved with the Suncoast Spinners programs, you can just rock up at Mergen, Morayfield and Sippy Downs on Wednesdays, Fridays and Saturdays or contact them on Instagram, Facebook or their website www.suncoastspinners.com.au. The Suncoast Spinners programs are for people of all ages and abilities. They're looking for players, officials and volunteers to help with all of their programs. So make sure you check out the Suncoast Spinners on Facebook, Instagram or on their website again, www.suncoastspinners.com.au. You recently went to the cricket and the ashes. Yes. How did you, with the crowds, the story that you're saying with the wheelchair and needing to be pushed around and since working with the therapy and also being in the crowds and different supports that you've now received... Yeah. How'd you go with the ashes? Be careful what you share, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> some, of it, some of it's got to stay pretty private there. But, um, the strength I have, I did take crutches everywhere I went. So I had those for a start. So I was leaning on crutches, which was good. And I leaned on my mates, which is, which is another good thing. They, they took care of me without any dramas at all. But with karate and with you guys at the gym, the, the inner strength is what I call on. I'm always in the background. I've always think that people are looking at me, okay, and, and, and wondering or snickering and so forth. But that's, that's what anxiety is all about. You know, you're always going to get that. But to have the strength to get over that is, is something that, uh, that um, you can only get from, from people that put out that sort of love when they're, when they're taking you through, like, enhanced health. Like, people just think that there's a trainer to take you through, to give you some weight, stuff like that. But they give you the... The whole lot, the whole support. If there was, if there was to be a part of that support, it, when you, when you're out in public, and and for example, if you're having, a, if you're freezing up, or if you're struggling walking, is there is there anything that you would, is there a way you'd like people to offer for help? Would you like help, or uh, yeah, <laughs> is there a way that you'd like them to to provide any assistance, if if any? If if people just see you out and they see you like frozen, just hand on the shoulder is is the best thing. Oh, I don't mind people just putting a hand on the shoulder. Are you okay? Can I give you a hand? Don't try and move me. Don't try and drag me. Or some people like to grab your arm and try and lift it up. That's the worst thing you can do. I'd rather someone just put their hand on my shoulder and just say, breathe. And if you breathe through your heart, um, I always have your your voice in my head, Cam, <laughs> going big step forward, big, big step, just one step, just one foot in front of the other one. Yeah. So, you say that all the time. I say it to you all the time, yeah. and. To give some context, one of the big things that you can say with someone with Parkinson's is is breathe, yeah. breathe through it, and uh, often it's a freezing that is the cause of why they're standing there. Yeah. 
or struggling to shuffle. Um, and just everyone's different, but a big step, say big step, I'm here to help you if you would like it. And take that big breath, uh, calm down. The anxiety is kicking in. Often there's a lot of people around. So take your time. Yeah. We're here to help. Uh, we'll help you through it. Breathe. Like I said, if you say breathe, it's going to be okay. Um, relax. And that's, that's when you go. Like I said, the minute someone tries to drag you away, not a hope. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to, um, to take a breath before we segue in to the questions yeah. that are simply, what did, what do we say we're going to call it, Cam? These cards are something that we're bringing in every episode. They are questions that we've wrote down that we feel uncomfortable ourselves to ask and questions that we've found on the internet that are difficult. So James is going to, we've got a deck of cards here. Um, obviously, standard playing cards, and on the back of them is written questions that are really too taboo to ask. They're heavy. We may get some raw emotion from you, Rob. Uh, we'll help you through it. If you don't want to answer them, that's perfectly fine as well. They are questions that we really want to ask. We just don't know how to. So we're going to get you to pull out three cards anywhere in the deck. James is just fanning the cards out for us. Once you've pulled all three, we'll read them out and then get you to answer from where, whichever one you want to start with, if at all. I'll read them out for you if you like. So the first question we have here, have you settled for less? If so, why? Most of the time when it, when it comes to doing stuff like going out, socialising and, and um, doing sports stuff, that's when people say, oh, just, just do like the, the high ropes. Mm. Just, just do the, the basic one at the bottom. It's, it'd be safe, it'd be all good. No, no, no. We looked at the hard one. We were, we were going right to the top. And we were, we were going to do the really hard one until this guy came back and, and he was fit. And he said, no, I struggle with that. So we did the second hardest one. And um, there was one stage there where I was hanging off just the, the rope was just holding me up there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, like you said, why settle for less? Like I'd, I'd do nothing. I wouldn't even be a karate now if I, I settled for, for um, just being happy with walking on the beach or something like that. I just, nah. I'd, no, I, I always push myself. How, how do you feel if someone said that they believe you're settling for less? Oh, I'd be disappointed in myself because um, um, I find that not to be true. In terms of everything, I, I think I do just about. Always fight for what I believe in to, to the, the point that I can. Why settle for life as it is? I, like. Just sit there in your lounge chair and go, okay, well, I, I'm, I'm good. I can still move around. I can I can go to the shops and just walk around, but I, I don't want to try climbing that mountain. I don't want to try a new sport. I don't want to try something that I haven't done before for the fear that, well, I'll just outdo myself and just and fail, I suppose. You should never settle for anything. You should always try and push yourself, I think. That's good. It's amazing, yeah. I think that's a, the big thing with the mindset is you're always pushing for more. Are you, you're the biggest helper at work. Like you, James and I both work with a young guy. You're unbelievable with, with him in particular. Your mindset and the way you work with him, how do you feel with helping other people around the clinic? Oh, for me, I get a buzz out of it. I just, around your clinic, I, I, could, I could be an unpaid worker, no worries at all because... 
because people will struggle and you can see them struggling and all they need is someone beside them just to, it's not one of you guys, which is one of the people being trained and just need them there just to, to boost them up. It gives me, makes me feel good on the inside. It really does, especially when they're struggling. Um, you might have someone there sitting on the ground trying to get them to do some push-ups or sit-ups somewhere or other or, or something or other else. And uh, if I can just give them a hand and, and just, you just see their face light up like when someone's just willing to, to step in. I see it in karate all the time as well. Like just a hand on the shoulder, just you see people struggling because karate's not an easy thing. Some people are natural, some people aren't. Um, just a hand on the shoulder and just say, breathe, you're doing really well, you know. It, it takes time, but it will come, and you can just see them relax, and you know, and then two weeks later, they 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 get it, they they finally get it, so forth. But um, yeah, I, I just love I love being part of your gym and helping people out. Second question is, has your disability ever made you feel like an inconvenience? And the third question is, what question do you hate being asked? The second one, which was um. Have you ever felt like an inconvenience? Yeah. I, I, the way I say it is I feel like a wasted skin all the time. Um, it's one of the hardest things. you try and hurt, One of the hardest hurdles you've got to try and jump over is actually feeling like you're just, you're worthless. I, I can't earn any income. I, I, can't, I can't say to my wife, let's plan a holiday for next year because we've got nothing. I, 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 there's no money coming in. The disability pension pays bugger all. So there's for me, it's like there is a future as far as living is concerned because I'm still alive, we're still here. I'm thankful for all that. But I want it comes back to being normal again. I want my wife to have a normal life as well. And um, it's one of the hardest things. You can't give your family anything. Sorry, man. I think I think um, when you when you talk about wasted skin, I think if you if you look back at what you have provided, not only your family, Rob, but people around you, particularly my, myself, my my father, and and my family, raw, um, Tony, both Tonys, I'm, I'm sure you'll find that they will all attest that you've provided a lot more than than being just a wasted skin. You are an inspiration, not only to to the, the boys from the under 12s, um, but an inspiration to my my father, my my parents, and I'm sure both Tonys and everyone that, that has the chance to meet you. Thank you. And it's also from us at our clinic. As I say, you help out everybody. It's not like it's the therapists or the practitioners or reception staff. You help out other clients. You help out everyone. So you're definitely not a waste of skin. That's far from the truth. Uh, what you do and what you, even coming on here and having this chat with us today um, is a huge thing. It's going to build someone else's life. It's going to help other people. It's going to show that, you know, you can give people support in their darkest days. You can simply say, breathe, put a hand on the shoulder. You know, that's going to be huge advice for a lot of people. And even, you know, being brave enough to come on in here and have this conversation yeah. is massive. This is going to have huge ripple effects that you won't even realize that how far you actually help people and, and how much help you do give people. Thank you. 
So it, it's great. We, James and I both are in absolute awe of you. There's no doubt about that. You, you, you think you're a simple man doing far beyond, far below what you should be doing? You are no mere, nowhere near a simple man. You're doing far above yeah, what any simple man. Thank you. Cool. Thank you very much. Would you like to move to the third question? Yeah, you have to read it again though. <laughs> the third question. What questions do you hate being asked? I don't think there's any. As far as Parkinson's and the heart's concerned, I don't think there's any questions that's a, that I think are, are painful or I wish you didn't ask that. Um, uh, well, a couple of times I've been asked if I'm drunk. I suppose that's a bit painful, but so no, I'm just I'm just more funny. But um, nah, I, I, off the top of my head, there's not there's not a question that that I just um, yeah, no, there's not. You can ask me anything at any time. I'll I'll talk your head off with the comeback. So, um, do you, do you open the door for people to to ask questions yeah. ab- about your Parkinson's? Yeah, like, my biggest thing was I tried to read everything and I, I can't read. When I say I can't read, I, I, my, my Parkinson's, it doesn't allow me to read. I, I, two lines, I'm either asleep or I just can't sit still long enough for some reason. But I found out more about Parkinson's from talking to other people with Parkinson's than I ever did from any, from Google or anything like that. Um, and I've helped more people by word of mouth as well. Like the amount of people that have been on the same medication as I am or was and and but, but are taking it at the seem to be taking it at the wrong time because their doctor just give it to them when they don't need it to be working. So it's supposed to be like a daytime tablet, and they give them to them at night time. You just go, and so they changed it around. We just sort of like sorted a bit, and um, and they're different people. Um, I suppose I, I don't know whether I should say this, but the doctor let you do it anyway. But with Parkinson's, it's a little bit of self medication. So they'll give you a guideline, but what works for you, they'll let you do because everyone's just so so different. So, so you'd recommend discussing with, with your medical profession, yeah, prof- first, profession to 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 adjust. Yeah, at so, the times. So if, if you, you have a talk with someone and they say, well, "I'm doing this," I always go back to my GP or my uh, my neuro guy and say, "Well, they're doing this. What do you reckon I can give that a go?" And they'll sit down and go through and go, well, "There's no harm in it." Um, for instance, I I, I put some. Um, Matapar in, in my water bottle all the time. So I'm sipping away on it all day. Excuse me, that even flow of um, medication. He said it doesn't hurt you. He said you're not, you're not taking over medication. He said it's just you're taking it out throughout the day. So I got that off a friend who did it as well. And you just find talking to people with Parkinson's, you just you tend to chill out more. You, you, you accept it. You go, oh, okay, this, that's what's happening to you. This is what's happening to me. And you, you, you just realise well, you're not a one-off, okay? There's another thousand people out there with the same symptom as you and um, and it just makes you feel so much better. Um, if they had more, because there seems to be more young people getting it. I mean, I was, when I first noticed the symptoms, I was 34. Yeah. Before I was had it for, um, five years or so before I got diagnosed. Um, I, had, I had symptoms. Um, but they need more for young people because they're, a lot, everything's sort of like guided for people in, in say, 60 or above. 
Whereas people with 40 or 30 that have Parkinson's, you know, they, they don't need walking frames, stuff like that. They need stuff like I did to be able to get to you guys at the gym and, um, and prolong your life. Like the more, I, I can't say it often enough, the more you get into sport and do stuff that keeps your body active, the longer you last. Like I'm living proof of it, I guarantee you. Like if I didn't go to the gym and you guys didn't let me lift heavy stuff all the time, <laughs> I just, I just love living heavy, heavy stuff because I, I get this dopamine rush and I don't have to take so many tablets. I can go all day without taking tablets and it's just marvellous. You've also uh, ventured down to Suncoast Spinners and tried wheelchair basketball and last weekend you come down to wheelchair rugby league. Yeah. Uh, how do you find that side of sport as well? I find it really good, actually. Um, I enjoy the rugby more than the basketball because it's not so technical. <laughs> you tend to just bash into people and so forth and, and uh, run the ball over the line. I, I do tend to like that. So is that rugby league? Or rugby, rugby union. Rugby, the, the murder ball? Yeah, yeah murder yeah. ball. The rugby league is technical as basketball. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and I can't, I can't wheel my chair fast enough to, to catch up with the guys with basketball, but um, I'd recommend it to able or disabled people, either or either. Um, it's, it's fun and it's, um, the people are lovely. Um, once again, you get to meet a whole new bunch of people that you become friends with. It's a good laugh, especially when James comes face first on, on the floor. <laughs> Which is almost yeah. every single minute of the game. He's always on the floor. Yeah, good old Jimmy. <laughs> nice. But, um, yeah, like you and mum, Sharon, love her to death. She tried for years to get me into wheelchair basketball and I uh, just put it off it off. And unfortunately, it does hurt my knees a little bit. That's the only thing a downfall from me because um, – Having the heart thing, it cuts the circulation of blood off to my legs. And, um, and you are also out. a tall man. Yes. It's funny, actually, um, Dan mentioned uh, along this line as well, you'd have a chair for everything. Mm. Uh, and, and unfortunately, the, the chairs that we have at, the, chairs we have at um, the rugby program aren't, aren't prescription fit for yourself. Yeah. So, mate, look, I'm, I'm sure we can, we can reach out to some people and see, see what we can do. Because well, I would like to get back into it. I, I do like it. I, said, I love the, the rugby unions just. Fantastic, because like I said, you know, you get off down the side and you think you're home and hose, next thing this big tank comes in and just cleans you out, you know. Just funny ass, funny, funny stuff. But, um, yeah, I said I'd recommend it to anyone to have a go. Well, we're, we're actually hoping to – we're in talks with uh, Chris Bond and trying to get Riley Bat and those guys on and have a chat with them. Uh, I know that Chris has been down to Suncoast a couple of times yeah, as well. He's a regular visitor at the Suncoast Spinners program. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, yeah. those guys, even talking to them and their experiences from Olympics and yeah. they're down currently competing in the national championships at the moment. Chris, Chris and the Australian coach were actually, uh, the Australian coach and a number of other contending players for the Australian squad were actually recently at our first program back because the Australian coach was visiting, checking out um, talent ID. To, nice. to, yeah. If you had asked, told me a couple yes, of years ago. Yes, sorry. I think I'm sure it's still in the mail. The, the, <laughs> if you had told me a couple of years ago, I would have been sitting down watching our wheelchair, bar, our wheelchair rugby league and fixed to the TV. I would have said no to hope and hell. But when that game was on the other week with the um, State of Origin, oh man, yeah. to classic. Give, <laughs> to, give, to give some context with that story in particular, uh, James is a part of the Wheelchair Rugby League Queensland side, which the State of Origin was only the, the other week. First time that Queensland has won since it's been in the yeah. inception. And it was live casted across Facebook yeah. and all of that. Everyone here on the Sunshine Coast, Rob included, uh, as you just in, said to that, uh, was enthralled in yeah. the the footage. It was a great, great game, wasn't it? It was a great game. 
and, and, and Queensland won, which was even better. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, CL James here on fire. And that's very good. you say that, uh, going back to that, that you wouldn't see yourself watching that previous, but nah. now you do. Oh. Well, I said it's even to watch the basketball, like we sat there and watched the Olympics when the Paralympics were on. It was just amazing to see the skill that people have with a chair is like a normal person who's running. It's just they can do the stuff that a normal person can do and you just – I think people take that for granted. They just think, oh, well, he's been in a chair, but it's – you get in there and have a go at yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know? you really start to, uh, to see their ability, not disability. Yeah, when you're going flat out like this and you think you're getting somewhere and the next minute someone just goes past you like you're standing still right? and then control the chair without their hands. Mate, for me, it's just I'm in awe. I just, yeah, fascinated by the whole thing. Sorry, I'm up, probably going to ask the same question Cam's going to say, but do you think that taking back now to the Elton John concert, do you think that that may have changed, you might have changed your mind now or how you thought about yourself being in a wheelchair definitely. in public? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Because I'm um, just assuming that that was prior to you yeah. being involved in any wheelchair sports. It was or, indeed, yeah. Yeah. And so do you think now being involved, not only there, but in a, in a day-to-day life? Completely changed my, my outlook. I suppose the embarrassment that I felt was unnecessary because, like I said, for some people, it's their way of life, you know. Unfortunately, they they are, are in that chair 24-7. I've said this to your mum a thousand times. I'm lucky I get to get out of the chair at the end of the game and stand up and stretch my legs. A lot of people don't get to do that. And like I said, um, my Parkinson's piles into insignificance when I'm down at your gym, when I'm at any of your games, my, my Parkinson's is... Nothing. I'm thankful for the fact that I can still do what I can do um, when other people – and these people are, have a smile on their face all the time. They love these people. They'll do anything for you. They don't hold a grudge. There's no one there with a big chip on their shoulder at, at, at the world, whereas I know a lot of people have got minor knee, hip, whatever problems they're cranky at every Tom, Dick and Harry that comes along. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just – like I said, it's part of life that – people don't put enough attention onto and, and don't give enough kudos to those guys that, that are doing it uh, day in, day out in chairs and, and whatever else they, they get around in. So, yeah. my, my actual question was a little bit different, but the question I was going to ask, having played, as you said, six-a-side soccer and karate and, and different sports, now having played wheelchair sport, how do you find the ability? So there's a common thing that, Ah, uh, it's wheelchair sport or it's disabled sport. It's easy. <laughs> yeah, you had the same response that I had. Uh, I tell you what, if you try to push that chair around the flame of core for for an hour or whatever it is, yeah, like I said, you come up just as knackered as if you've been running on a park, playing soccer up and down the park. Like I said, my arms are like jello sometimes. It's a, it's an all out all out body workout really because you, you're moving your whole body around. Plus, you're trying to get your this has got to work a bit harder as well because you're trying to negotiate wheels going different ways and people coming at you and trying to get around them and and um, then trying to think of James the Flaming um, technical basketball moves as well. Jeez. But, um, yeah, like I said, it certainly gives you a, a different aspect on life. Like I said, sport is sport, whether you're in a wheelchair or whether you're running or whether you're um, able to disable, whatever the case may be, we should all be one, um, really, because we're all playing sport. We're all human. Have you, know. you found... You're saying sport is sport, that you have a better appreciation uh, with the Paralympics and sport involved with disability since being in uh, and trying it? 
I have appreciation for a lot of things that um, to do with, I hate to say the word disability, with everything that people do. For me having Parkinson's, simplest things like this morning I picked up the jug to put water in it, went to put it back on the thing again and it just my hand just decided it wouldn't work. So I dropped the jug on the, on the floor and a huge mess and so forth. And for someone who's able that has got that problem, they look at you going, what happened? I said, I don't know. I was never given an explanation. Just my hand decided at the time it was just going to open and wasn't going to hold it. And I'm sure the same for people with disability all the time. They're, they're, people look at them and just say, it's just a simple task. For you, it's a simple task. For them, everything's doubled. It's, 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 and for me, that's why I'm impressed by the stuff they do. Like, I go to, I go to, you, to the, your, your gym, see people there that are, you've got them held up in special contraptions so they can stand up and, and do stuff. And the, the joy of, of, of just being able to be there, and it's sort of like a freedom. We can't imagine how that must feel. When you're able-bodied and so forth, you, you take a lot for granted, a lot too much for granted. And I'm, I'm not trying to give sympathy out or anything like that because they're, they're not asking for it. They're not sitting there going, I want your sympathy. But my awe, my, just the passion you know, the, the, these people ex, ex, extrude is just amazing. Like, and and just the pride. You don't have to be six foot tall, good looking, can run a mile, can do everything you want to do to be um, inspirational and um, to be to be a perfect person. You know, you can be in a wheelchair, you can have one leg, you can have no legs, you can have whatever, and be the most inspirational person in the world. Um, by just the things that you say and things you do and, and, the, and, the, and, and the way you live your life, I think. so. You're, you're a testimony to your own words, Rob. It's 100% on that. I couldn't agree more. Have you, uh, have you got any more questions, Cam? I actually don't. Yeah, I think Rob's nailed it out of the park today. It's, um, an incredible, it's been an incredible hour that we've, we've been sitting here with you, Rob, and, and every moment you've, you've, you've opened up completely and wholeheartedly made yourself extremely vulnerable and we, we really really appreciate you sharing your story it's incredibly brave of you to do that thanks mate thanks for asking me on i really appreciate it it's really good all right it's a no problem at all like yeah uh you've actually taught us a lot and i think you will have to you will teach a lot of people a lot just by telling your story it's it's truly inspirational um it's helpful and we're extremely thankful. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure many others, and, and we certainly hope hope you keep fighting the good fight, Rob. Yes, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll always be here for you. Yes, mate. I'd be around for a few years longer. So that's why I want to hear. That's <laughs> what I want to hear. I want to hear that. Most definitely. Well, that wraps us up for another episode, James. That's it, mate. The um, the second episode, Rob, an, an amazing person, an inspiration, and keeps fighting every day, day in, day out. He doesn't leave leave much on the table, mate. He's He's one to look out for and, and I'll continue to look forward to seeing him every day. Thank you, appreciate it. Most definitely. Thanks for listening to this episode. We appreciate you rating and reviewing the podcast, but most importantly, sharing it with people you think it will impact the most. Before we go, again, a massive thanks to our sponsor, the Sunco Spinners. The Sunco Spinners are a social wheelchair-based sporting club. They operate multiple programs for people of all ages and abilities in basketball, rugby, and more. Follow the Sunco Spinners on Facebook, Instagram, and find out more about them at suncospinners.com.au. 